0: Jesus name, and everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. One more time, everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Find one person today, love on them, compliment them, tell them God bless you, give them a hug, however you're led today. Good job, music department. Praise God. Certainly want to welcome our online viewing audience today want to thank all of you all who pressed your way through that storm and whatever they called that out there and all of that that's going on out there that keeps people away to all of the, the rain. I didn't know who would show up uh, here this morning. Of course, if you watched the news last night, it was going to be horrible out there this morning, right? And of course, if you grow up in the Midwest or East Coast or, you know, you don't even, it's like, really? <laughs> But I get it, it's Georges, ice, those things happen. And so I wanna thank you all for pressing your way out tonight. You will not be disappointed. I believe the Spirit of God has a wonderful word uh, for you on today as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior throughout this season. I just wanna get into the word of God today and, and really touch some things that he placed on my heart to share with you all. The best way to follow along is with your YouVersion Bible app. Just go to the events section online or right here in the service. Click on linked up Church and there's an outline, the notes are right there course I'm going to give you more than what's in the outline because I want you to participate in the learning process. I don't want you to sit out there and just listen and be entertained but I really want you to take notes add things so you'll get more. I'm going to use scriptures that are not in the outline today which requires you to add those to the notes or to write them in whatever uh, apparatus or device that you brought with you on today. How many of y'all came ready to receive the word today? How many of y'all love the word of God? I mean, I believe the Word of God has the ability to change your life. I mean, y'all already have a testimony that the Word has already changed your life, right? And so let's get into it today. Before I release the title, I just want to share something here. I believe every year all of us really are asked a question, or if we're not asked asked a question, people are wondering why we celebrate this holiday. You know, a lot of people think it's a pagan holiday, you won't find the word Christmas anywhere in the Bible, not from Genesis to Revelation. So really, what does it mean when a Christian celebrates Christmas, right? So the word Christmas, just by definition, is really Christ mass. How many of you know Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Christ means the anointed one and his anointed. Mass means celebration, so, really, Christmas is an anointed celebration. Now, we all know he wasn't born on December 25th, Amen. Amen. right? That's just the day we choose to remember it. But, but let me tell you, it's more than just the day. It's really a lifestyle. It's just this is the time of year that everyone is focused on it, so we spend more time talking about it but really we're supposed to talk about it and celebrate it and live it all year long, right? And so the question every one of us faces every Christmas in this story of the Son of God coming as a human born of a virgin, living a life of sinless love and dying for sinners that all who believe might have eternal life, this question then becomes, is this story a creation of human imagination because we need it to be true. So of course now we've commercialized it, right? It's all about Black Friday and sales and spending money and getting in debt. Hello, I command you to not spend one penny. Don't charge a dime for anything that you can't afford. Come on, go out and buy some cookie dough, bake some cookies and give everybody cookies for Christmas and tell them that was the best you had this year God bless you because it's not about that anyway. It's about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I command you, if you're watching online in this building, don't charge one thing that you can't afford because you're missing the whole meaning of Christmas if you do that. Because he came, you're going to see today, he was born so that you could be free from debt. So why would you use Christmas to put yourself in debt and start the year out in the hole? And so, or is it true, and therefore, we need to believe it? See, is this story true, and now it is important that we need to believe this, and it's not just a day, it's not just a tree, it's not just flowers. Come on, somebody. But it's really something that I order my whole life around. The title of my message today is Why Believe? I would probably challenge most people if they had to answer the question on why they celebrate Christmas, you'd get a wide range of answers, right? So we're going to look at it from a doctrinal point of view and not a commercial point of view. So I want to look at six witnesses who speak and testify to why the Son of God came into the world. These witnesses are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, and the writer of Hebrews, who it doesn't tell us who it is, I just personally believe it's Paul. How many know I can believe what I want to believe? (laughs) And really, the answers that they give, they really give us six reasons why we should believe he actually came. Because if he didn't come, folks, we are all wasting our time. We need to put this building on the market, sell it, turn it over, let it turn into a club. And we just all go and party and enjoy life. If he didn't come the way he said he was coming. So let's look at the first one. Point number one, it'll go up on your screen and follow along on your outline. He came as a ransom for many. He came as a ransom for many. Go with me to Mark chapter 10 and let's begin reading at verse 35. And of course, this is Mark's account of this story. Uh, Matthew also had an account of this story. And in Matthew's account, uh, it was... uh, It was James and John's mother who came to Jesus and made this request. But here in Mark's account, it is actually James and John coming to Jesus and making this same request. And a lot of times, how you know, when you're studying Scripture, you know, all of us are this way. The reason you'll see a different account in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them saw the same event. But how many know they don't all have the same gifting and they don't all see things and process things the same way? Right, and so every account of it is true from that writer's perspective. Right, it's no different if an event happened in here and I asked four different people what happened, i get four different answers. But then when you listen to all four of them together, you get a fuller, fuller picture of what the truth actually is. Right, and so let's just look at Mark's account of this same story because he's saying James and John asked this question, not their mother. Verse 35, then James and John The sons of Zebedee came to him saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I mean, a lot of people see Jesus that way, as a name on the end of a prayer that will do for me whatever I ask him to do, independent of me doing what he asks me to do. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. A lot of people see Jesus that way, right? He just, do whatever I ask you to do, teacher, teacher. And he said unto them, what I love about Jesus is just he locates them. He doesn't react. What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us that we may sit on your right hand and on the other and the other on your left in your glory. So this also gives us an indication of why people follow Jesus. They follow Jesus for what he can do for them, not what they can do for him. Right? And, and this is where people get easily offended. The moment he doesn't do for them what they thought he should do, independent of them doing for him what he asked them to do, people get offended at him and they leave. Right? So it's just giving you some insight. And these are his disciples. These are 12 or two of his 12 followers. So he says to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said unto him, we are able. They didn't know what they were saying. So Jesus said to them, okay, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized, will you be baptized? But to sit on my right hand and on my left, it's not mine to give but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself, said, all, all 12 of you, come here, fellows. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, they lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whosoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. So he levels the playing field, folks. Everyone has an opportunity to be great if you're willing to serve. Right? So he simplified it for him. You're asking me to do something that I've already granted you the ability to do on your own. If you want to be great, guys, then become a servant to everyone. And whosoever you desires to be first shall be the slave or servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and watch this, and to give his life a ransom for many. He just told you, according to Mark's account, why he came. He came to give his life as a ransom, not for a few, but for many. And I don't know about you, but I thank God I'm one of the many that accepted the ransom that was paid. By definition, it'll go up on the screen. Ransom simply means a redemptive price. A redemptive price. Ransom, by definition, is a redemptive price. Let's talk about that in the natural for a moment, maybe in a negative connotation, which is the way a lot of us understand it. A lot of times what thieves and robbers will do is they will identify very wealthy people. And what they'll try to do is kidnap them or their children or something that's very important to them, and they'll hold it for a what? What they're saying is, I will give you back what belongs to you, if you're willing to pay $100 million for it, right? I'm trying to paint a picture for you. So you've got to understand the price that was paid was in accordance with the degree of what was lost. That's how valuable you are to God. So when we think about a ransom how I many you know most people don't go get a homeless person and try to hold him for money they don't identify anyone who does not have means as a target to get resources or extract resources from someone else they only go get something or someone that's worth something extremely valuable Because they know that whoever that belongs to will be willing to pay even more than what it costs to purchase it back. So the reason we need a ransom to be paid for us is that through Adam, we all sold ourselves into sin. We were all born into sin through Adam's failure. Adam turned this earth over to Satan Satan became lowercase g, the God of it, and then everyone else born into it was born into sin and therefore would need to be redeemed or ransomed back to the original freedom that God desired for them. And so as a result of that, we all became alienated from a holy God. So when Jesus gave his life, Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he became the ransom, and he took us back from our slave masters. Does anyone know what our slave masters' names were? It's really three of them. Sin, death, and Satan. Now, before you got saved, if you were anything like me, you didn't even have to think about it. You just sinned because that's all you knew to do. All right, let me. Let me try this side of the room. I woke up to do wrong. And then after I did wrong, I wanted to create new ways to do wrong. All right. And I literally became a slave to sin. How many know you are a slave when you don't want to do something and you do it anyway? I don't care how you slice that. If your goal is to stop doing something and you can't do it, then you are a slave to it. And we were all that at one point or another. And so the devil had to give up his claim of us, right, through that death, burial, and resurrection for a real reason. So that we could be adopted into a new family that no longer was under the oppression of sin, slavery, sickness, disease, and anything that comes from the devil. All right? now, I want to work that thought today. He paid a price so that we could be a part of a family. Amen. And folks, our family should look different than the world's family. Amen. I'll say that again. Our family should look different than the world's family. Paul put it this way. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. So a ransom, a price had to be paid. See, we're out here spending all of this money on Christmas when he already spent all the money. I think the greatest gift you can give someone is to tell them about Jesus. To tell a sick person they don't have to be sick anymore. Come on somebody, to tell a poor person they don't have to be poor anymore. To tell a person that you know that is on their way to hell, they don't have to go there. Somebody paid the price and one in your place. I'd rather give them that than to go in debt trying to give them a gift that they won't even use three weeks after I give it to them. Galatians put it this way, Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. Now, I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. So, he's using an analogy here. So, he's saying that an heir, as long as he is a child, you look up that word child there, it means minor, right? So, as long as that child is a minor, he's no different than any other servant, even though... He's master of all, right? And so, if I can kind of make it plain for you, I mean, no children aren't ready for their inheritance. I know you leave millions of dollars to a 14-year-old kid, right? So even though the child is a millionaire at the age of 12, they're no different than anyone else because they're not ready to walk in that inheritance. Okay? This is what he's describing here. Let's keep reading in verse 2. So then what happens? But he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. And the guardians and stewards' job is to raise the child in such a way that when the appointed times co- comes, he can use the resources and the inheritance the way the inheritor or the one who left it desired for them to be used. Is everybody clear on that? Okay, let's keep reading here. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements or rudiments of this world or cosmos, this world system. So think about when we were kids, right, or if you have kids, I mean, they do stuff, and you know you didn't teach them that. Your kids, when they were little, did they ever do something? And you said, now, where did they learn that from? Oh, they still do. Okay. He said, they still do. They still do, right? And and so, well, what is that then? That's the rudiments and the elements of this world that they were born into. That if they don't have guardians and tutors and those over them to raise them in a way so that when they come of age, they can realize everything that's been left for them. So if you understand where he's going, why would a church exist? Our job is to raise you in a way so that you can understand what's been left for you. And don't waste it. A lot of you all sitting out here broke and you don't have to be. I'm telling you, a lot of you all are sitting out here struggling and you don't have to struggle. A lot of you all are facing sicknesses and challenges and disease. And I'm telling you, it's a part of your inheritance. He freed you from it. I'm going to prove that to you today. If you don't get anything else out of this today, you're going to know what belongs to you. All right? And so let's keep going here. So when the fullness of time in verse 4 comes, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born under a woman. Well, why is the phrase born under a woman there? So that you all can understand when God came to the earth, He didn't come to the earth as God. He came to the earth as a man and he came through flesh and blood just like we had to so that he could be the the proper uh, inheritor and go through everything that we went through so that what he leaves us, he leaves us without excuse because he defeated everything that we would face and he removed it out of the way so we can freely walk in what's already been provided for us. Right? And so we learned that in Bible school. That's called the hypostatic union. He was 100% God, but he was 100% man. When he came to the earth, he did not come to the earth as God. He came to the earth as a man anointed by God. So he's born of a woman born under the law. Why was he born under the law? So that he could redeem us from the curse of that law. He had to be born in it so that he could free us from it. Come on, somebody. Right? If you understand he did that because he loves you so much, you wouldn't stay in the situation that you're in right now. So he's born under the law. Why did he do that? To redeem those who were under the law. We just said that. That we might receive the adoptions, adoption as sons or as children. Now I don't know what your background is. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what your relationship was like with your family. But I'm telling you, once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you get adopted into a new family where you get a new father who is also your mother. You get a new brother. Come on, you get new siblings. Come on, you get an inheritance. Everything that you need is a part of this new family that you belong to so that we might be adopted. This was important to him, and he didn't want to adopt a few. He wanted to adopt many. And because you are sons or children, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Daddy something about in your heart when you become born again his spirit comes to live inside of your spirit and you know that he is your father that he loves you that he is unwilling to leave you in the condition that you are in you know it on the inside of you that God is good he is greatly to be praised there is no one like him in all the earth you know on the inside that a good God would not leave you in a bad situation you know on the inside that even though you're going through a tough time, God is able to turn that tough time around. He's able to work all things out for your good because you love him and you are called according to his purpose. It's something on the inside that when sickness attacks your body, that you say, oh no, you don't. My daddy will not stand for this. He did not send his son to die on my behalf for me to struggle with cancer, sickness, disease, diabetes. Uh, diabetes. Come on, it's something on the inside that you that when the bill shows up and you don't have enough in your bank account to pay that bill, it's something on the inside of you that says, my daddy has supplied all of my needs according to his riches and glory, and you have confidence and trust in that. My natural daddy might not come through. My natural mother might not come through. I might not be able to call my natural brother or my natural sister, but I have a daddy in heaven that cares about me and loves me and sent his son to die and pay the price so I don't have to live like this. Come on, somebody. We're living way below our means. It ain't about a Christmas tree, folks. He didn't come to put a Christmas tree in your living room. He came to give you a daddy and to adopt you into a family. And to redeem you from the curse of poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son or a child. And if a son or child, then an heir of God through Christ. Do you understand what he just said? He said, everything I left Christ, I also left for you. Do you understand that your daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Do you understand that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? Do you understand that he gave this earth to the children of men, his children? Do you understand everywhere your foot tread can belong to you? Do you understand you're the head and not the tail? Everything that he left for Jesus, he left for you. And Jesus knew that. When it was time to pay taxes, the Spirit of God spoke to Jesus and said, go to a body of water. There's a fish in that water. Throw a hook down there. It's going to come up and everything you need, watch this, for your taxes and was it, who was with him? His and somebody else's. Who, who's, who was with him? Bible scholars. Anyway, There's enough for you to pay your taxes. This is the character of God, folks, because not always, it's not just about you. He blesses you to be a blessing. So so he said, this is pay yours and his. I'm talking about a Jesus, folks, that when 5,000 people had been out there sitting uh, in the desert for days and had nothing to eat. He didn't even think about that. When he asked his disciples, you feed them. They didn't understand what was available to them, did they? See, they they weren't aware. What was their response? How are we going to feed thousands of people with five loaves and two fishes? It wasn't the way he saw it, though, was it? So I'm showing you how you can be with him and not be aware of what's available to you. Let's go to Hebrews account. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. So to ransom us, you've got to understand, the son had to become a human being. It's the only way this could happen. The son had to become a human being, suffer and die in our place, pay a ransom so that we could have everything that belonged to him. Listen to me, folks, that's a true meaning of Christmas, Amen. Yes. not eggnog. <laughs> I won't talk about the other stuff they mix with that eggnog this time of year. Right. Stay in the church now. <laughs> but if you like my family, that refrigerator was loaded up with eggnog <laughs> and the cabinets with Martell. Oh, I'm preaching good now. Stretch your hands up here towards Ed right now. Ed said, I'm preaching good about martel and eggnog. Stretch your hands up here right now, Father. Release him from the, the Martell this year. Release him. We curse it right now. Come off of him in the name. Let's look at Hebrews account. Are you all still with me today? Come on, anybody glad to be called a child of God? Come on, anyone excited about being adopted into the family of God? Man, do you understand what you have and what's at your disposal? Hebrews chapter 2, let's look at that account. Let's begin at verse 10. The whole text is talking about Jesus being the captain of our salvation. Let's pick it up at verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. And bringing many sons to glory. Notice again, he wanted to bring many, not a few. Right? If you look at Albert Barnes or Adam Clark's commentary there, he wanted to take many people to heaven with him. That blesses me to notice someone was willing to come while I was yet a sinner. Die while I was spitting on his name. Come on, somebody and be patient enough to wait on me to get the revelation and be engrafted into the kingdom just so he can spend eternity with me in heaven. Come on, folks. Listen, nobody on this earth can love you that well. To bring many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect or complete through suffering. For both he who sanctifies... And those, that's Jesus, and those that are being sanctified are all one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Think about that. Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother or his sister. Then he goes on to quote from Psalms 22 saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him, in God, And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, they came through the the womb of a woman just like he did. He himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Folks, I've got good news for you. Satan has been destroyed. Yeah, yeah. The worst day of his life was when Jesus came through that womb. Yeah. Look at the lymphs that he went through yeah. to, to try to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. They killed every newborn child under the age of two because Satan understood that that baby was born to destroy me. Folks, I've got good news for you. He's still operating in the earth, but he has no authority over you, your life, your body, your children, your money, your job, your career, your car, anything that concerns you. Satan has been destroyed. We give him too much credit, too much power. He is a lion no teeth. He is a dog with no bite because his teeth has been stripped. Come on somebody. And his roar has been taken away from him. When Jesus was born through that death, burial, and resurrection, he destroyed the power of Satan. Why are we fighting against demons? This ain't no warfare going on. We don't fight against them. We take authority over them. I feel like making the devil real mad. I feel like getting him super upset in here. Can we take three seconds and just split his eardrums right now? Come on. Take three seconds and just give God your best praise right now. Just three seconds. Just three seconds. L- l- listen. listen to me, folks. I'm getting ready to take you on a journey here in a moment I'm getting ready to take you on a journey and I pray that you catch this today Satan you shouldn't say that you're going to be a target now he, got, he has to go through Jesus to get to me how many know his arms a little bit too short to box with God come on somebody Inasmuch then as the children have partaken, see, he has the power, he destroyed it, verse 15, and released those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. A lot of Christians live in fear. Fear of going to sleep at night. Fear of waking up in the morning. They don't have a fear of flying. They have a fear of dying. Hello? And you know it's a fear if you're willing to drive 12 hours when you can get there in two hours. Hello. People don't have a fear of staying on the 13th floor. They have a fear of dying on the 13th floor. So hotels, you've heard me share this before. Hotels got a hold of that. Because every time they say you're in room 1312, can you put me on a different floor? I don't want to stay on the 13th floor because a movie came out called Friday the 13th Or, or superstition said that the number 13 is bad luck right and so everybody go to the hotel as soon as they say you're in room 1328 can you put me on a different floor so hotels got smart and on the elevator it goes from the 12th to the 14th floor but guess what the 14th floor really is Unless the 13th floor is suspended in midair somewhere, you are staying on the 13th floor. And the only thing they did was called it 14, and you said, I'll take that room. (laughs) People have a fear of roller coasters. They have a fear of uh, of going skiing. People have all of these fears and phobias, folks, and, and what he released you from. Through that death, burial, and resurrection, and the fact that he was born into this earth was that you could live your whole life without fear. You can look sickness and disease right in the face and say, you have no authority, no power. I have no fear of you. This body has been paid for by the shed blood of Jesus and by his stripes, I am healed. With a doctor's report in your hand that says you only have a few months to live. You can praise God, give God the glory, dance shout, run all in advance with that level of confidence and no fear of death because you don't die anyway. You just transition from one life to another and the next life that you transition to is called eternity where there's no more sickness, no more disease, no more pain, no more suffering, no more brokenness, no more crying. Either way it goes, you win. Somebody ought to give God glory in this place today. We're not getting ready to sit around here afraid of nothing. Let's take the land. Let's take the city. Let's take the world for Jesus. Glory to God. He came to release you from the fear of death so that you wouldn't spend your whole life being in bondage to it. See, a lot of times the very thing you fear is what you bring on yourself. Fear will always bring into your life what you don't want. Faith will bring into your life what you do want. Somebody said, I am the redeemed, blood-bought child of God. I am blessed. My money is blessed. My family is blessed. My children are blessed. My job is blessed, my career is blessed, my business is blessed, my church is blessed, my block is blessed. Everything that concerns me, everything that concerns me, everything that concerns me is blessed. Now go ahead and give God glory for that today. I am trying to get that. That's what's our inheritance. For indeed, watch this now. I don't know if you ever saw this verse before in your life, verse 16. For indeed, he does not give aid or assistance to angels. Because what you've got to understand is they're not his prized creation. They were made lower than you. He does not give aid to angels. But he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. You need some assistance? He's got all the help you will ever need. Very quickly, go to Galatians 3.16. Not in your outline, write it in. I don't want to take for granted that you understand what that statement means. Seed of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3.16. When you get there, say amen. amen. New King James Version will go up on the screen. Not in your notes or your outline. Galatians 3.16 says, now to Abraham and his what? Seed. Singular. Not referring to us. Prophesied in Galatians chapter 3.15. Right? That the seed singular of the woman who ended up being Mary would bruise Satan's head. Right? Not talking about us right now, talking about Jesus. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seed, just so that you don't get confused, as of many, but as of one. Then he tells you, and to your seed, who is what? Christ. Christ. Drop down to verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are what? Who did he say he would provide aid to? Do you belong to Christ? Then you are Abraham's seed. Watch this now. He uses the same language and heirs according to the promise. A lot of us don't know what belongs to us. Right? Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to save some time. I want to read it out of the Message Bible because the Message Bible just brings it right back to where I grew up. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to read verses 3 through 14, Message Bible. Message Bible. See how I'm helping the people out in the back? Message Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'll read verses 3 through 14. Are you all ready? I'm telling you, this is getting ready. If this doesn't hit you in your gut, in your sha-na-na, in your, then get saved today. Listen to this, folks. Now, right? He's the seed, right? And if we're Christ, then we're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the what? This is why I won't be broke another day in my life. This is why I don't accept sickness or disease. I don't accept it. You wanna know the truth? I don't ever want to know God as a healer. Right. Why would I put him back on the cross? When over two thousand years he paid the price for my healing. I'm over in third John two now, brethren. I wish above all things that you would be in health. I'd rather live in health than ever need healing. But don't get in any condemnation because if you need healing, I just want to help you understand. If you get healed today, that's not when you actually got healed. That's just when you realized you were already healed. Oh, that just went over somebody's head. Come on, that just went over somebody's head. He healed you over 2,000 years ago. You just became aware of it today. Listen to this. Message Bible. God is blessing inside the city. Doesn't matter where you live. God's blessing in the country or the suburbs. God's blessings are on your children, the crops of your land, your career, the young of your livestock, your calves, your herds, the lambs of your flocks. God's blessing is on your basket, your bread bowl. God's blessing is in your coming in. God's blessing is in your going out. Doesn't matter which way you're traveling. God will defeat your enemies who attack you. They'll come at you on one road and run away on seven roads. God will order a blessing on your barns, your bank accounts, and your workplaces. He'll bless you in the land that God, your God, has given you. God will form you as a people holy to him just as he promised you. If you keep the commandments of God, your God, and live the way he has shown you, all the peoples of the earth will see you living under the name of God and hold you in respectful awe. They will be amazed at what God has done in your life. God will lavish you with good things, children from your womb, offspring from your animals, crops from your land, and the land that God promised your ancestors that he would give you. God will Throw open the doors of his sky vaults and pour rain on your land on schedule and bless. He won't be late, folks. He'll be on time and bless your work. You put bless the work you take in your hand. You will lend to many nations. Listen very carefully, but you yourself won't have to take out a loan. Somebody ought to believe God in this place to get to a place where you will never have to take out a loan. You will never be a slave to a bank and interest rates another day in your life. Somebody ought to know that this is a part of your inheritance. Start where you are. Just start paying cash for your groceries. Instead, start paying cash for your clothes and then graduate to paying cash for a car and then save and pay cash for your house. But keep going until you get to a place where God brings you to a, a, a moment in your life where you never have to take out another loan again. I prophesy over this congregation. I prophesy over this online viewing audience right now that God will raise you up in this inheritance as you work with him, as you cooperate with him, as you stop borrowing money. God will give you witty inventions, supernatural ideas, supernatural debt cancellation. This is his inheritance. It belongs to you, and you will get to a place where you will never have to take out another loan again in Jesus name and if you believe that today come on give God some glory in this place most of us don't know that so we just keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and we think that's the way but that's the rudiments and the elements of this world that we've been delivered from God will make you the head, not the tail. Listen to this message Bible. You will always be the top dog, never the bottom dog her, 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 her. come on somebody did the did it just say that? You will always be the top dog. Number one in sales in your department. The lead trainer in your field. Come on somebody. You will always make it to the top of your profession because of the inheritance and the anointing that is on your life. Best hairdresser in the state of Georgia. Best real estate broker in the state of Georgia. Best human resources developer in the state of Georgia. You will be the top dog in your field because that's your inheritance it belongs to you child of God stop living below your privileges and come on up to where God has brought you somebody please get excited about what God has done for us glory to God you're sitting there like a bump on a log like none of this belongs to you this is who you are The top dog. Come on, say it. I'm number one. I'm the top dog in my field. Never the bottom dog. As you obediently listen to and diligently keep the commandments of God. See, notice this not, is not without you doing your part. Amen. That I am commanding you this day. Don't swerve an inch to the right or left from the words that I command you today. By going off, following and worshiping other gods. How I many you know the opposite sex can be another god? How many of y'all know materialism can be another God? So in other words, the reason Christ took on human flesh was so that he could die and in dying pay a ransom that would free us from the power of death. And allow us to be adopted into his family and walk in the inheritance that he's provided for us. Remember what Galatians chapter 4 said. You have to be under tutelage. You have to be under teaching that prepares you for what he's provided for you. So don't sit out there and let stuff just go over your head without making adjustments. Because it's not automatic. Point number two, and we'll close right here for the day. He came to call sinners to repentance. Go to Luke chapter 5. Let's read verses 27 through 32. You all get anything out of this today? People say, well, why, why do you work so Why? Why is it so important to you to keep this church debt free? Because that's our inheritance. I'm so tired of listening to preaching about being debt-free, but ain't nobody living debt-free. And the reality is whatever is on the head, whatever is on the church, that's what's going to be on the people. So I just believe as long as the the church stays free, the people in the church will stay free. That's why I'm commanding you, don't charge one gift. And if you already charged it, take it back. That's the word of the Lord on somebody in here. If you can't afford it. How do you know if you can afford it? If you can't pay that bill in full. Luke chapter 5. We'll close right here. After these things he went out. Verse 27. And he saw a tax collector. Named Levi. Sitting at the tax office. And he said to him. Follow me. So he left all rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those that are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Listen to me, folks. There's a lot of people that are sick in Cobb County. We can't just keep eating with the blessed. Just wanted to throw that out there. If Jesus could eat with sinners, why can't we eat with sinners? And pick up the bill. The two of you together are healed. From the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, that is your inheritance. Stand up and give God a three-second praise. Go with her. Strengthen her, Father. Strengthen her. Leave her Leave her alone, leave her alone. 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 God is strengthening her body as she's running. Nobody told her to do that. Spirit of God led her to do that. Come on, somebody ought to rejoice with her right now. Come on, I said somebody ought to rejoice with her. Come on, somebody ought to rejoice with her. Hallelujah. 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 Now, you might remember when Jesus healed that blind man. Right, what did the blind man first say? I see men like trees. So it wasn't instantaneous. So somebody might see her run the first time and fall. She didn't stay down, she got back up. The blind man came back again, and his seeing was clear. All healings aren't instantaneous. But she kept acting on what she believed and you notice she got stronger as she went. She ran five steps and fell, got up, ran the rest of the building, and finished the lap. I wanna take a lap with her by faith today. I just wanna take one with her. who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick listen to what he says here in verse 32 I have not come to call the righteous once again he's telling you why he came I came to call sinners to repentance So Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. But first, there needed to be a ransom paid for sinners. And you've got to understand that Christ loved you while you're in sin. He's not mad at you. He loves you unconditionally. Everybody stand to their feet. God loves you then there could be a successful call to sinners because a successful ransom has already been paid. Jesus said he came to do both of these things. He's do- he doesn't leave the ransoming to others or the calling to others. He himself took personal responsibility for both of these areas. And I believe that today he's calling someone in this room Through the Bible word that you just heard, and through the preaching of my voice, is what he used today to call you back to him. He's calling someone watching online today, someone live streaming, he's calling you back today. And in this room today, there are people that he brought you here today to call you back to himself. Folks, that is the meaning of Christmas. He was born to pray a price. And he was born to call you back. So if you're in this room today, every head is bowed, every eye is closed in prayer, no one moving, no one talking unless you've been assigned to do so. Locate yourself today. This is between you and God, not you and your neighbor. This is your moment. Today is the day of salvation. Will you answer the call? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've